Um, I need to read a scripture, so let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. 2 Corinthians 7. We're going to read one verse of scripture here, verse number 1. The Bible says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. That is an ongoing situation. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for everybody that's here tonight, our visitors. Thank you for them. Thank you for your people that are all gathered here together. In Jesus' name, we pray that the word of the Lord is a blessing to all. And we'll give you our undivided attention. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This... um, been thinking about this a little while, and I want to, this is going to kind of be a series for us here on Tuesday nights, but in thinking in advance, I don't know when part two is going to be, but I promise you there's going to be a part two. Um, We've got Brother Kerry Jones, we're hoping that this revival just begins to snowball, no pun intended and take off, Um, but there is going to be a part two and even maybe beyond that, but I want to start part number one. Why do we believe what we believe? You know, it's Pentecostalism has the greatest attraction in all the world. There is nothing that is remotely even close to a genuine move of the Holy Ghost. There's all kinds of um, there's all kinds of theater and all kinds of um, effects and all kinds of Hollywood and all kinds of Las Vegas kind of stuff and all kinds of little things that people are doing to attract attention to themselves. But ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing in this world like the attraction of the Holy Ghost. It really is the answer for the end time, which is why it is so incumbent upon us to live right and to be right so that God can do what God needs to do in the earth in this hour. We need to understand we're not of the world, okay? That's what we're going to be talking about um, in some of this because the church is being, is, is being called out. We have been part of... Uh, of what has been called as the American dream. Ladies and gentlemen, the American dream may have existed for about a generation, but it is not a reality. It is not a reality. What is a reality is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church has been postured and positioned in this hour for, I believe, the greatest revival of all time. I believe in this. And I want to see it, and I believe we're going to see it. Let's give him praise. Come on, I believe we're going to see this. But you got to be postured. Posture is very, very important when it comes to the things of God. So part number one is biblical separation and holiness. Why do we believe what we believe? What I was getting ready to say before I interrupted myself Um, was that apostolic Pentecostalism has an incredible draw. And with that, people can get caught up in the draw without ever really connecting the dots on a deeper level with the Word of God. Everything in your life is connected to the Word of God. Everything in your life matters. Listen to me carefully. Everything in your life matters. What you think, 
what you speak, even what you meditated in your heart, but you didn't speak, Sarah. Remember in the, in the, the angel heard her say, and she said, I didn't say that. But the angel said, yeah, you said it. And we are going to be judged for what we think, what we say, what we meditated upon, what we did, what we thought about doing, um, everything. Every component of our lives is, is scrutinized by the word of God because separation and holiness is so central to God's plan. Somebody says, well, I've already, I've already repented of my sins and I was baptized in Jesus' name and I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, I've done everything I need to do. No, you just got in the door. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 is just the threshold to come into this incredible dimension that's called the house of God. And I don't, and, and, and the gospel is exhilarating. And if you'll, if, you'll, if you'll actually live according to the word of God and you'll develop a consecration and dedication according to the word of God, you will never be bored you will never be disappointed. I'm not saying you won't have struggles. I'm not saying you won't have valleys. I'm not saying you won't shed tears. But ladies and gentlemen, the understanding and comprehension of what we are a part of is from another world. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. And I want to tell you, it's the greatest honor of my lifetime. There is nothing that I could have done to deserve this. But I'm here, and I know I'm here, and I'm conscious of the fact. I comprehend all of this. And that makes, <clears throat> that makes me smaller and him greater the more comprehension that I have about this. Why do we believe what we believe? That's an important question. Separation is the oldest doctrine in the Bible. It spans far and wide from Genesis the very first book in the Bible, to Revelation. Separation of God's people under the one true living God is one of the most enduring commands and requirements throughout the history of God's people. Separation, 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 separation. Biblical separation affects every area of life, both inwardly and outwardly. Very simple. Separation is a lifestyle. For it to be biblically genuine, separation must be a lifestyle. Biblical separation is expressed at four definable times throughout the word of God. Separation and creation, Genesis chapter number one. God separated the light from the dark, the land from the sea, so on and so forth. Separation of God's people in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 12, beginning with Abram. Separation of the New Testament church. I just read 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 1, but there's a host of other scriptures that talks about that God's church must be separated. And then Revelations chapter 20, the ultimate and final separation in eternity at the white throne judgment. Separation was required for the specific purposes. Listen carefully. Separation is required for the specific purpose of identity, distinction, and purity. And that purity is not, is not the subjective state. It is the recognizable state that somebody looking, somebody that's looking at somebody that is separated should be able to see that there is a difference. The whole purpose of separation is so that when God begins to bless his people and move amongst his people, the people that don't have separation can see that there is a difference. We are not supposed to blend in. We are not supposed to be just like the world. That is the opposite of what God is looking for. And oftentimes there's people in the congregation this size that have not yet had enough spiritual formation to comprehend the genius of that. The stunning glory and the, and the importance of that. But when you get the revelation 
that I am being separated because there's one God that created the, to- the entire universe. And it's through me. It's through the fact that I am separated and being distinct from the world that God is going to get you glory. It is not a chore. It is not hard. It is not grievous. It is not legalism. It is the word of God, and it's a blessing to be on God's side. This identity and distinction provided the idolatrous pagan world with a visual and behavioral witness. Hey, they look different. Hey, they act different. Being set apart from other people allowed God to be God and therefore, notice, be revealed. God is not going to reveal himself to somebody in any part of the world outside of the word and outside of the church. Not going to happen. Somebody said all the time you have people that are on the verge of either being agnostic or atheistic and said, well, if God really wants me to be saved, then he'll send an angel to what what arrogance. You think you're so important that God's going to send an angel to you when there's 8 billion other people that are only going to get a preacher. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand that is exactly, this, that's exactly what the terms of this arrangement are, is that you and I are in the world so that we could reveal. That's why when people come in on a Sunday and you say, well, I just don't feel like worshiping God. You're, you're, what you're doing is you're hindering the spirit moving through that part of the building. And if you get enough people to do that, they can do what the Bible says. They can quench the spirit. Not only grieve the spirit, but quench the spirit. But when you and I are all working together with all one mentality that says, I may not ever preach, but I can lift my hands. I may not be a missionary, but I can, I can get into the Holy Ghost. And then as you let the Holy Ghost flow through the hands and the feet. I hope the 21st century is ready for this revelation because the word of God is not going to give us a break. But what we might need to do is shut off our computers and shut off our internet and become delivered from that so we can get back to understanding and comprehending the beauty and the joy and the purpose of being God's people. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. It is an honor. It's a joy. It's the greatest thing that happened has ever happened to us. The pagan world in eternity, in eternity, on the other side of eternity, will only see God in part through the church of the living God. The nation of Israel coming out of Egyptian bondage and being postured in the promised land is one of the clearest and most understandable examples of the importance of separation. God did not deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt just so God could say, I did that. God had a bigger picture. Step back with me and understand that God's intention was to reveal himself to fallen angels, fallen angels that had assumed the role of deities of the Moabites, the Amorites, the Amalekites, the Philistines, All of those pagan nations that were worshiping false deities, God was going to put his people right in the center. And as long as they were separated unto God, God would demonstrate his glory, his favor, his blessing, and it would be revealed horizontally to a lost and a dying world. But the nation of Israel would not do that. They wanted a king. They could not get rid of of idolatry, and that's why ultimately they went into Babylonian captivity. That was never the will of God to see his people go into Babylonian captivity, but he could not wean them off of idolatry. And it's impossible to reveal the living God if we have false gods. 
So I just wanted, I wanted to go through that because people say, well, I, I don't really understand the Old Testament. That was a thumbnail sketch in the purpose of the Old Testament was to bring out the nation of Israel. God had huge ideals and dreams and aspirations for his people. But they could not, they could not believe that God really did love them and God was really for them and God was all that. But the church has taken Israel's place. And now God has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. And now our role in the end time is much like the nation of Israel's, except that instead of God putting us out and putting us in the promised land, we are in the world, but not of the world. I can be working right alongside a fornicator, but that guy's spirit is not going to control my spirit. I can work right alongside somebody that loves NFL football, but his spirit is not going to, on, on, on Sunday, I'm going to be in church not watching a football game because he is never, I may be the only God he ever sees. That has got to become a revelation to the church in the 21st century because we may be the only, well, we are. We are the only person that's standing between that person and eternity. And you say, well, I didn't ask for this. I mean, I, I don't know. Listen, you can't escape this. I can't escape this. I can't bury my head in the sand. I can't go out and get some kind of hobby and become so immersed in some little deal over here on the side that I can escape the bigger reality. The bigger reality is gonna keep moving on whether I believe in it or not. In fact, I'm caught up in that whether I believe it or not. To be blessed and to be everything that God wants you to be, it's time to say, God, I'm gonna be postured. I'm gonna be positioned. Use me as you please. Clap your hands and give God the praise. That is what your life is all about. That is what my life is all about. That is what planet Earth is all about. Let's give him praise tonight. Many of the instructions and scriptures regarding the uniqueness of Israel in the Old Testament are used both in the Old Testament to Israel and to the church in the New Testament. Look at this, Exodus chapter 19 and verse number five. This is how God saw his people. This was the ideal. This was heaven looking towards earth. And this is how God saw his people. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That was, that's how God saw his people. Look how God sees his church in 1 Peter 2 and 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You know, I don't feel royalty hardly ever. But I don't go on feelings. Faith doesn't have a feeling. Faith looks at my feelings and said, you're not even real. Oh, I'm feeling something right there. Did you catch that pun? You gotta, you gotta wake up, because I'm my, my tail, I am bright-eyed and bushy-tailed tonight. Why? Because I am so excited to be a part of the church of the living God. I am so excited that we are a part of what God is doing in the Northwest. You say, well, it's never been done on this scale before. That ain't my problem. I'm just going to go ahead and be what God wants to me and let God do whatever God wants to do. There ought to be churches of a 1,000 in every city. The Baptists have had it too long. The Seventh-day Adventists have had it too long. The Lutherans have had it too long. It belongs to God. Let's be positioned in Bill Housesford and watch God do what only God can do. I get it. This is a, there's a few rabbit trails. I'm just taking a short one right now. Um, every once in a while, I'll hear something great that happened in Alabama and something great that happened in Indiana. Uh, I'm talking, when God does something up here, God says, you know what? We're taking over. 
Well, it ain't never happened before. I can't explain all that, but it's going to happen now. It is happening now. God always saves the best for last. I'm glad I'm a part of this. It's time to hang up our hang-ups. It's time to have love cast out fear. It's time to let trust put out doubt. It's time to just say, I'm going to let God be God with all of the minutiae that's in my life that I can't figure out and solve, but God's going to get the glory. Clap your hands. Let's give him praise together. That's why every single life is important. Pastor, don't you care that these people backslide? Yes, I care. You're God's property. And it matters that we're all moving in the same direction in the spirit of unity. And somebody said, praise the Lord. In one of the clearest biblical injunctions... This reference that we're about to talk about is regarding idolatry. That is the number one human weakness is idolatry. Somebody says, well, I don't have little idols in my house. But you can make a thing an idol, like a box that you turn on and it entertains you. And you begin to derive more pleasure than that than you do from the presence of of God that has pleasures at his right hand forevermore. Or how about pleasure from a sin? Or an activity? Or some other thing? This is the number one flaw of the nation of Israel, and it's why they did not they did not perform the perfect will of God in the Old Testament. They failed miserably. Make no mistake about that. But see, God, God had a series of purposes that even though the nation of Israel, they failed here, and they failed here, and they failed here, and they failed here, and they failed here, they didn't get God's core purpose. And the core purpose for the nation of Israel was that they brought about a Savior into the world. God had to have a bloodline. And so it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. You don't have to, we're going to put it up here on the screen. I mean, you can turn there in your Bible. I hope you have your Bible with you tonight. Well, I don't have to bring my Bible because they got a screen. Listen, we don't need this screen, but you got to have the Word of God. We're doing the screen for people like me that are hard of seeing. I say that tongue in cheek. I'm not even looking at the screen. Somebody said, well, we don't believe in screens. Okay, you're going to miss your flight. You're going to miss that flight. I think content is more important than the screen. So anyway, some of this stuff is just common sense. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 14. Be ye not unequally yoked. When something is yoked in the Bible, it's something, it's something that's horizontal. It's right here. It's, 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 it's as close as it can get without being married to it. When something is yoked, it's like they used to put two beasts of burden on a yoke across their shoulders to keep them in line and keep them going in the right direction. So it means you're, you're, you're side by side with something and you're moving in the same direction with somebody else. And here to the church, the Holy Ghost is saying, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Unbelievers. If everybody here that's employed has pro is probably working alongside unbelievers to some degree. This does not mean that you cannot develop friendships. You should develop friendships. 
In fact, you should be so solid and so stable as a person that when this guy's marriage is on the rocks and he's drinking too much, he ought to say, man, I think I'm going to talk to Brother Elijah Knudsen. Man, he's always smiling. He never has something mean to say about the boss. He doesn't laugh at the dirty jokes we say. He just, he's stable. He's solid. It's okay to have friendships that are built around the job, an occupation, and to show yourself friendly. But that's totally different when he invites you over to be involved in some activity. That's when you have to say, I'm taking God's side in this. Somebody tells a dirty joke, I'm taking God's side on this. Somebody asks you to go out with them on Friday night and do a bunch of stuff that's going to destroy your witness. I'm taking God's side in this. See, you have to be confident in who you are so that you can help people understand who they are. Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. This is so basic, but it's so genuine. You have to not only understand what the Bible says about you, you have to embrace what the Bible is saying. Well, you know, I get a cornerstone, but I don't really do all that stuff. Why? Why? It is not only duplistic. It's not only duplistic to do that. And I, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing a person's struggle. That's, that's, a different, that's a different category right here. But I'm talking about genuinely being there. That's why the apostle said they went out from us, but they weren't of us. There was a duplicity that was evident there. But that doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean you're sitting here tonight and you're, you're, you, you want to live for God. You want to be what God wants you to be. You, you, you want to do the will of God. But you're struggling to get to that place. You just come on. But I'm talking about people that are living a double life. Maybe even somebody that has secret sin and is duplistic. It is impossible for you to be what you need to be for somebody else until you are what you're supposed to be for God. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, if God says, I'm going to be separated, I'm going to go ahead and be separated. Now God can use me to reach the very people that want to be my friend. I'm not going to be the friend you want me to be. I'm going to be the friend God wants me to be to you. I'm not going to laugh at your dirty jokes because you, don't, you really don't want me to laugh at your dirty jokes if you really knew the score. And I know what the score is. I know there's a God, there's a devil, there's a heaven, there's a hell, there's a world, there's a spirit. Somebody clap your hand and say, thank God I'm in something that's real and true and powerful. Instead of a phony, smoke and mirrors world that's full of cosmetics and just... Nonsense. And so being, being separated is a huge responsibility. And God cannot, God can only use you to the degree that you're separated. If you say, well, I want to be used to God, then you need more separation. And it's dangerous to draw a line in the sand and say, well, I'm just as separated as I want to be and think that that is going to be that is going to be some eternal posture. No, it is constantly God wants more all the time because God says, you've got people in your life I'm trying to reach. You've got people on the job I'm trying to reach. You've got people that at headquarters that you talk to on the phone I'm trying to reach. You've got people all around you I'm trying to reach. I'm trying to reach you. So you cannot draw a line in the sand and say, that's it. Because it's progressive more and more and more and more and more. And the reality of it is, when you really develop a prayer life, when you're separated and you begin to develop a prayer life and you feel the anointing, there is not a human being in this world that can resist the anointing. Ladies and gentlemen, I know I'm saying that a lot. I like that, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we were made for this. You were not made to smoke cigars. You were not made to sit on a bar stool. You were not made for 
fornication. You were not made for internet pornography. You were not made for a revolving door of not try not you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know that you weren't made for that. You were made for God. You were made for this. When you read the word of God, it is a blueprint for success. But you have to accept the principles before we start building. Hallelujah. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? I'm going to tell you, I can go on somebody's job and hear what the coworkers say about that saint. I'm not trying to be ugly, but I do want to tell the truth. You wouldn't like me if if I compromise on some of this stuff, you'd say, what happened to pastor? Man, he's not, he not drawing lines like he used to draw lines. Well, I'm, I'm here to draw lines. I used to draw lines in kindergarten and I'm doing it here tonight. That's just a joke. I can go on the job site and talk to your coworkers and they will reveal Um. I was in the emergency room for eight hours two years ago. I went in for a physical checkup, and the doctor said, we're going to do an EKG right now. Okay. So they plugged me in and wired me up and plugged me in, and the doctor said, well, an ambulance is on the way. We're taking you, rushing you down to the hospital. I said, why? She said, we're thinking that you're on the verge of having a heart attack. I said, I'm not getting in no ambulance. They said, well, you're going to have to sign special paperwork that says you won't get in the ambulance. I said, bring it on. My wife came. My wife picked me up. We went down there. We sat for somebody that was about to have a heart attack. Listen, if you got a night off and you want some action, go to the Sacred Heart emergency room. You don't need television. It's right there. You don't need drama. It's right there. You don't need comedy. It's right there. I, we saw all kinds of stuff. Stuff that I can't even describe to you in the emergency room. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying that you are going to see the collection and the display of humanity. So after eight hours, they wheeled me all the way back. And I happened to ask somebody because I knew that Brother Logan Sargent had worked in the emergency room. He said, every single person, I was convinced that Brother Logan Sargent was being a witness. After hearing what his coworkers said about him. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? These are rhetorical questions. Answers should be obvious. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. That's who you are. That's who I am. We are temples of the God of the universe. Come on, let's praise him. That's... That's worth, that's worth giving him praise about. That's what God says about us. That's not how, it has nothing to do with how you feel or how you're doing or. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That is the motivating factor. You're going to get a relationship by being separated. And ladies and gentlemen, I will die for that if I had to. That is worth everything to me is to have that kind of a relationship with God where I know that he's my father.
And the reality of it is God wants that same relationship with each and every one of us. In fact, our entire world. But God has allowed you and I to be here so that we can reach them. It's an incredible responsibility. In the, uh, in the church I got saved in, I cannot tell you how many hours I have wept, Brother David. Wept tears until my handkerchief could be wrung out with people that I know got saved that, that, that backslide. And with every person that backslides, these people will not, these people. I'm talking about people that are on the perimeter of their lives. Now they'll never hear this. Now they'll never hear this. With every person that backslides that doesn't allow themselves to be used in this fashion, you are closing the door. Not consciously. I'm not saying you're, you're doing it from a wicked evil, but that's the byproduct. This is a big deal. This is not just... You know, I just want to get to church and feel Jesus and be part of a group. That, that's not what this is about. It's never been what this is about. That's some twisted reformation doctrine that doesn't even have reality attached to it. When you understand who and what you and I are doing here, it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. That's why everything matters because God is so interested in what we're doing and reaching the world. This is why we do what we do. Oh, I go to this church, and I just love that they run. You ever been to a church where they run? Yeah, I go to one. They run. Wow. Dude, that's weird. Must be a cult. Yeah, they run. Do you know why they run? I'm not sure, but I like it. It's exciting. I've been to 50 million churches, and this is the only one I've been to that runs. I love it. Woo! Oh, man, what else I got? Women have... Long, uncut hair there because it's a veil given to them by God. It's, they all have uncut hair. It's, it's, a, it's a God thing. Wow, never seen that. Starting to sound a lot more like a cult all the time. Women wear dresses. Men wear suits. Dude, last thing I need is to be in Congress with a bunch of people wearing suits. Well, you must have a bunch of John Fettermans in your building. That's a joke. I'm sorry. Let me have a little fun. Did Trump bring it home last night? <laughs> Come on, Brother Quincy. I'm expecting you to wear a brand new sweater, sweatshirt in honor of Iowa. In Jesus' name. Yeah, I go to this church, and even the young people take a lap. And they all wear suits. Or all, their, all the women are wearing dresses. Okay, all right. Listen, stop. Let me get this straight. They're loud. They talk in a language I can't understand. They run. The guys are all wearing suits like FBI agents. The women all look like they just got off of a, a, a prairie schooner. And you're expecting me to give up my booze and my addiction to internet whatever and give up my cigarettes and give up my dope that's legal because we're living in a corrupt, evil world and to give up that, and you want me to join that? Well, have you ever received the Holy Ghost? What? It makes the difference. Clap your hands and give God the prayer. You don't have to sell this thing. You don't have to sell this. When God gets on the inside, the Holy Ghost begins to go to work and reveals to that person who they are and who God is and In Jesus' name. Why we believe what we believe. Separation is anchored, deeply founded in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. And notice with me that separation precedes holiness. There's a reason for that. 2 Corinthians that we just read talking about come out from among them and then look at 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness 
perfecting holiness. Ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't happen overnight. Some of you under the sound of my voice that are struggling and, 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 and you know you're not perfect and I know you're not perfect and, and God knows you're not perfect and the devil knows you're not perfect. But I wanna tell you that as long as you just keep coming and you just keep doing what's right that the spirit that's in you is already on autopilot saying he the beginnings of work in you will complete it until the day of his appearing because you got to get a passing grade I've got to get a passing grade I don't care if I got to get up a thousand times over some stupid thing that I can't seem to find the door on it as long as I stay in the Holy Ghost God is going to give me an entrance into victory and is going to help me to be an overcomer so that I can become but you can't do that at home. You can't do that lost in a, in a job. You can't do that in an occupation. You can't do that in some. It's, it's, it's only relevant to a context. And the context is the church of the living God. Those kind of benefits are only found within the context of being in the church and staying connected. And if you've got struggles and you're not perfect and you're not this and you're not that, listen, that's what the blood's for, ladies and gentlemen. Well, pastor, I've asked God to, to forgive me 1,500 times. I don't care if it takes 15,000 times. Just get right back up. I'm not giving my flesh the victory. I'm not giving the devil my victory. I'm not giving the voices in my head the victory. I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna confess, and I'm gonna keep walking because I am not going to miss heaven. I am not going to miss the rapture. I am not going to miss this thing. I was made for this. I was born for this. I cannot let my flesh take me to hell. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. I am not going to lose. You got to get a fighter's mentality. You got to get a winner's mentality. I, I'm going to tell you, it just, it just, it just, it just, it just bugs me when somebody says, I'm just going to backslide, it's too hard. It's hard no matter what you're doing. You might as well live for God and fight the right battle and then get a crown and a robe out of it than to get off on some antidepressant that zones your mind and turns you into a zombie and just act like you're gonna make it into heaven. It's not gonna happen. God's gonna hold you accountable according to what you knew. Knowledge is important because knowledge, if you're not, if you're not living on the knowledge that you know, it's a big deal. And it's a big deal being a pastor. And it's a big deal being your pastor. And I, I have constraints in the word of God. I have to do this. It's like, pastor, just go easy on us. Pastor, do this. Pastor, do that. You don't understand. You don't own me. And I don't own you. You belong to Jesus. You were paid for with his blood. And I have a responsibility to preach the word of God, to remove every spot from your garment and every wrinkle from your garment and pull you out of the fire and pull you out of your sinfulness and pull you out of your laziness and pull you out of your backslidden condition so that you can make it because you belong to him. That is the manifestation of my love for God. It ain't got nothing to do with you. If I start loving you more than I love God, I'll start backing off this, backing off that, backing off this, and just letting you show up whenever you want to show up. And there's some people that let do that because they haven't caught it yet. But once you've caught it, you can't back off this. We got to have revival. We're at the end of this thing. We are at the end of this thing. Well, pastor, I've got big dreams and big plans. I'm not saying 
ditch it all. But if God's not a part of your big dreams, you need to adjust your dreams. God didn't call you out of darkness so that you could accomplish some dream outside of the will of God. Well, I think God wants me to be a good baseball player. God will choose what abilities and what talents you use, not you. And the parents that are trying to live vicariously through their children will say, well, he's good on a football field and I don't know what else to do. Why don't you get him in the word of God? Why don't you live it in front of him? Why don't you get the anointing in that house? Why don't you get the power in that house and let God use him as an evangelist instead of a ball player? Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm preaching right now. And I'm preaching against foul spirits that are right on the outside of this church that constantly looking for victims that don't have a made up mind and are not sold out and are not prayed through. I'm not against individuals, I'm against spirits. Man, my mind has been completely blown. I've been doing this for 30 years and I'm, I'm in waters that we, my wife and I talk about this every day, we're in waters that we've never been in before. I'm not complaining, I was built for this. God's been saving this for us. Those ancient mariners that had to use the stars and ancient cartography, very crude instrumentation. That's why one of the greatest chapters in world history is called the Age of Discovery. The Age of Discovery was approximately 1400 to 1700 AD, or CE, common era. One of, the, one of the whole central lies that modern culture was taught and fed through the dark ages was that the world is flat. Because it was a Catholic church, it was their way of keeping everybody localized. The Catholic Church plunged all of Europe into incest, illiteracy. Most people never, their entire lifetime, entire average lifetime of a person during the Dark Ages was 50 years of age, and they never traveled more than 200 miles from their home. It was incredible impoverishment by the, by the oldest denomination over the last 2,000 years. Do you know what drove the age of discovery? The thing that, that drove the age of discovery wasn't the gold and the spices. It was the need to evangelize the world because the Catholic Church had already cast a shadow over Europe and parts of Asia. And so they started sending people out in boats. And they were like, man, I ain't going past that. There's a line out there. And when I get past that line, there's a bunch of monsters out there. Somebody went past that line and then went past the next line and then past the next line until they landed in the Americas and it started an absolute explosion between Spain, Portugal, and Italy to see which one of them could evangelize and claim it for their nation which is why you had people like Cortez that was forcing people in Mexico to either accept the Catholic Church or be put to death. Pastor, why are you saying all this? Because it was, it was people that said, I am going beyond the known norms. I'm gonna go beyond. The human race was bound to an ideal that was promoted that the world was flat. There's even flat, guys that smoke dope and do LSD, they still believe the world is flat. No, your brain is flat. <laughs> Don't tell me, because I used to do that nonsense. But there are entire states in the United States that are legalizing that stuff, and they're creating zombies. 
You secret, if you're secretly doing hallucinogenics or you did hallucinogenics while you were backslid, you need to get in this altar and pray until the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right, Brother, Brother Reed back there? Come on, help me out, Brother Wally. I was just reading last week about some notable guy in our culture that is in search of doing magic mushrooms. I'm telling you, it is, it, is, it is absolutely incredible what is taking place in our world. But you and I are here. We are postured. We love God. We love each other. We love ourselves. And we're ready to see great revival and purpose in the earth. Let's lift our hands and give God great praise. It's no mistake that you're here. You're somebody special. You're somebody very valuable and special in the kingdom of God. Let's stand to our feet here tonight. Let's lift our hands and thank God that he called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. We are his people. We are his people by design. You are part of the greatest design ever, 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 because it was designed from the foundation of the world. Ever, 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 ever. Why do we believe what we believe? If you can, if you can just get this tonight, and understand that it's a revelation from Scripture and that you are, you are a part of this. It will change your epistemology. It will change your view of yourself and it will change how you view the world. And it's an amazing thing. I've never... <laughs> I just sit in my chair and just weep when I think about when my eyes were open to this. I've never been the same. I've been completely captivated by this. Let's lift our hands. Let's give him praise. God, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters tonight. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost in every life, in every heart, God, I pray that the mountains that, are, that seem insurmountable in front of some today, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit and your word, God, can show that no mountain can stop them, no valley can stop them, no Red Sea can stop them, no enemy can stop them, no Pharaoh can stop them, no Philistine can stop them, no devil can stop them, no human can stop them, no situation can stop them, nobody can stop them, nothing can stop you. You are unstoppable if you know who you are. you got to find out who you are. You are unstoppable. All right. Shake hands. Be friendly. Give your wife a holy kiss. Don't try to kiss anybody else. You might end up on the floor. In Jesus' name.